BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm just going to say all these folks that are out there who want to aspire to different offices, tell the truth. Just tell the truth. Yeah. Okay. Like like you did with uh, Edgenet Young. That is that is that the what we're supposed to aspire to? Tell the truth, like you did with Anjanette Young. Just saying, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Just saying. Well, no, but wait, there's more. <laughs> oh, more. We got Monroe Anderson. We're waiting for him here. Let's and Mark Wallace. Mark Wallace will be joining us. Oh, my God. We'll be doing so much Jackson, Mississippi talk. You think you'll be in Jackson, Mississippi. But unfortunately, this is a pattern with him and his supporters. They don't want to tell the truth about Chicago. They want to appeal to the lowest common denominator of the Republican base. And newsflash, folks, you won't get elected as the governor of the whole state by pandering um, to the lowest common denominator and not telling the truth about Chicago. Hmm. Uh, actually, I'm not sure it's the lowest common denominator uh, in the Republican Party, Mayor Lori Life, but I think it is just the Republican Party. And I do believe he has a chance to be elected governor. I know my friends in the Democratic persuasion are going, oh, pshaw. isn't there like pshaw, something like a word, D? Pshaw. They say that. Oh, Pish no way. Posh. Pish posh. I got news for you, ladies and gentlemen. The same people say a DB Dara Bailey cannot be elected governor of the state of Illinois. The same people told you a little bit. No way. Donnie Trump will be elected president of the United States. Wake up, Dems. You always fall asleep. Oh, I'm just going to say the all these folks that are out there who want to <laughs> aspire to different offices, tell the truth. Oh. Just tell the truth. Okay. Right. Like you did with Anjanette Young. That kind of. What is the truth, really? You know what I'm saying, D? What is the truth? The truth is that your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, every now and again, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com, and if you want to help out this program, you can, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. By estimates, 50 to, 50 to 60 percent of the economy is in Chicago. And if you look at Chicago land, that's 80 percent. It is Wednesday, August Ooh. 31st. Oh, and this is the Ben Jaromsky Show. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Stepping Down Wednesday. And here's why. Because everybody's stepping down. That is why everybody, meaning older women and older men. Yesterday, I talked about Raymond Lopez's proposal to cut the city council in half. I know we spent a lot of time talking about national politics in the show. I know we spent a lot of time talking about Joey B, Joe Biden. 
uh, and Big Donnie, Donnie Trump. I understand that. But my heart will always remain in Chicago. I spent 40 years of my life writing about Chicago politics. I'm not going to give it up all just because we're in the middle of like this fascistic takeover of the United States. No, Chicago matters to me too, ladies and gentlemen. So let me just say this about that. I had a phone call, by the way, D. I have to say this. I'll shout out to an old friend of the show. Uh, the one and only Patrick J. Whalen. Uh, actually, I don't believe there's a J in the middle of his name. I just like to put put it there. Uh, Patrick Whalen, comedian, talk show host. Mayoral candidate? Maybe. I don't know. He may throw his hat in the ring. Uh, that's Patrick J. Whalen throwing his hat in the ring. Anyway, uh, he called to tell me that um, he's going to be doing a show at the Promontory uh, next later this month. No, wait, I'm all mixed up. D. Tomorrow is September. Oh, let's just erase that. All right, all right. Uh, later next month uh, at the Promontory, the great club down in Hyde Park. Uh, and guess who his guest is going to be, D? You. <laughs> no, not me. Me. No, not you. You're going to be a proud papa by then. Uh, Denise, Denise. Sorry. That's really, I went on that tangent. Just thinking of Dennis's daughter, Denise, to become. I got excited and sing that song. No, uh, J.B. Pritzker. Isn't that the second time Pritzker, Pritzker, Pritzker loves Waylon? Oh, wow. <laughs> it could be a new TV show. Pritzker loves Waylon. Yeah. You know, it's getting a little too friendly, Pat. Let me just say, kind of maybe scorch that bridge a little bit. Give him some toughies. Uh, he- Give him some toughies. He loves JB and JB loves Pat. All right. So Pat uh, will be hosting uh, JB Pritzker. I'm not jealous. JB doesn't come on our show. I'm not jealous. Damn, just saying, you know. Well, we don't try to really. <laughs> That's true. We haven't really tried since he was candidate, uh, JB. Whatever. Anyway, he's the. Uh, uh, congratulations, uh, Patrick J. But while I was uh, talking to Pat about his show, and we're going to bring Pat on to promote his show and everything because he's a dear friend of ours. Uh, but while I was talking to uh, Pat about his show, he started talking, Ben, what about all the aldermen leaving the city council? And then he sent me a chart. It was like a chart. I love charts, D. It was a map, actually, not a chart. And it had all the wards. Okay, follow me in this, D. Like, the, most of the wards were in, like, gray, I think it was. But the wards where the aldermen were leaving were in red, red, red. <laughs> so when you do it like that, it's like, whoa, something's going on in Chicago. Aldermen are stepping down. And today's bright one, my beloved Chicago Sun-Times, they're, like, uh, keeping track Thank you, Sun Times. Without you, I would have to do it off. By the way, I could do it. Just this. Oh, I know. I know. You're <laughs> a nerd. You're a nerd. You were like, oh, man, it wasn't charts. It was a map. I'm like, oh, even nerdier. <laughs> I know. It's a map of all the wards where aldermen are leaving. And uh, let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. Oh, God, I'm having a mental blank all of a sudden. Uh, well, Leslie Harrison in the fifth ward. Uh, Carrie Austin, the 34th ward, stepping down. Of course, she's about she's either about to be indicted or has been indicted. I can't remember. Yeah, that's so usually what that sure. means when they're stepping down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> In Illinois, down. at least. That's all I can speak of. Uh, James Kappelman, your favorite alderman for the 46th ward. Harry Osterman for the 48th ward uh, is will not be running. And uh, young Tom Tunney, who's not that young anymore. Uh, but I remember when he was young, a young man. Uh, to uh, and he was uh, nominated by Mayor Daly, Richard M. Daly, to fill a vacancy created when Bernard Hansen uh, left. Oh, man, 
stuff I know. Anyway, Tom Tunney is uh, stepping down. Uh, he says he still may run for uh, mayor of the city of Chicago. So he hasn't, you know, ultimately decided if he's leaving public service now, completely. Let us all remember, uh, let's not forget, Tom Tunney was the guy that opened up his business when everybody else had to close theirs down during the pandemic, right? Uh, that was actually, you you know, kind of stepped on my next line, young Dennis. Um, I think we, this is a sign. We've been together a long time. Only five years uh, for Dennis and myself. We're going to take an extended break on a tangent within a tangent within a tangent. Dennis is going up eternally for a month. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to, where's Dennis? Where's, and like everybody, most guests who come on the show, they go like, will Dennis be the producer? Well, no, he's taking paternally. What? No, Dennis? Yeah. <laughs> what? I think I'll be able to send me the link. Very worried about the link. Anyway, um, so yes, uh, Tom, Tony, everybody's forgotten that except for uh, Dennis and myself in the height of the pandemic. When there were all these lockdowns, remember Mayor Lori Lightfoot, tell the truth. Remember Mayor Lori, tell the truth, Lightfoot, about, uh, was that a truthful commercial she did, D? About, remember, like, Grandma coming to town, oh, don't yeah, bring yeah. Grandma. Remember that? Was that a truthful commercial? Remember that, D? Remember that? Don't bring Grandma. To and then the sigh. Everybody forgets that, except for us. I don't know. Was that truthful? Was that conversation truthful? You know, tell the truth. Was that a real conversation or was it a scripted acted out conversation? Does that fall in the category of telling the truth? Not quite sure. I get very cynical and jaded when thinking about Chicago politicians, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, so, yeah, Tom Tunney opened up uh, uh, Ann Sather's restaurant. You had to knock on the door or something like and give a secret code cinnamon roll. And then they would let <laughs> you in the back. <laughs> this is in the middle of the pandemic. Oh my goodness! And he got still got to be the zoning chair. He he was still the. They didn't punish him. Okay, he's still zoning chair. Of the zoning committee is one of the most powerful positions of the city council. Every single developer who wants to get a deal done in Chicago has got to come to your city. They all got to you know kiss the ring. Uh, the previous zoning chair, Danny Solis, remember him, ladies and gentlemen. They didn't kiss the ring. He wore the wire. Brought down Ed Burke with that uh, wearing the wire for the feds. So, you know, everybody forgave him that. He's beloved in uh, Lakeview. People in Lakeview get mad at me when I mention the fact that he had that cinnamon roll speakeasy going in the middle of the pandemic. And uh, Ben, he's a great alderman. Just stop being so cynical for him. I'm not the one cynical, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Your officials are the cynical ones. Your officials who do those phone call commercials where they pretend they're talking to their grandmother or whatever and telling you to stay away from grandma because you're in the middle of COVID and it's dangerous. Even though it's not grandma on the phone, I don't even know if they're on a phone. It's like a Bob Newhart thing where they pretend they're on a phone. Oh, Bob Newhart. There's a reference that I, I don't even think our guests, Monroe Anderson and Mark Wallace, know Bob Newhart was a comedian. The six, actually, Monroe will know that. So the point is this. People cry about their alderman. People insist that we should go to term limits. Then when the aldermen finally leave, because I don't know, why are the aldermen leaving? You know, maybe maybe it's just too much already. And maybe they got their pensions. You know, oh my God, my cynical listeners, D. Every time an alderman steps down, they go, Oh, they're gonna be indicted. Every single listener. 
If I had a nickel for every text I got like that, I'd be a rich man. We are in Illinois, and that does happen a lot. (laughs) You know? So uh, Tom Tunney is exiting the city council. I remember when uh, he became uh, the alderman appointed by Mayor Dale, as I said. He says it's no fun anymore. And I I just got to say this. Tom Tunney and I don't see eye to eye politically. To put it mildly, he was a very loyal member. Hey, you're, of, you're, you're more of a French toast guy. Uh, oh, that's like an inside joke, as opposed to a cinnamon roll. I do love French toast. Uh, but Tom, you know, was a member of the Richard uh, M. Daly team and uh, the Rahm Emanuel team. I was not on either one of those teams. I was on the outside looking in, looking at every crooked, crummy, sleazy deal that got shoved down our throats by an obliging city council. And now, finally, the city council is being held accountable for its votes on important contracts, TIF deals, budgets. Finally, there's some sort of accountability, uh, and aldermen are leaving. And we're like, what's going on? (laughs) You can't have it two ways, Chicago. You can't say, throw the bums out. We need term limits. And then go, what's going on? When they step down, I don't know. I, by the way, classic Chicago. Tony announces he's leaving immediately. His chief of staff announces he's running, and Tom Tony endorses him. Well, listen, that's better than what happened in the Forty Third Ward, where Michelle Smith stepped down. Literally stepped down. Forty Third Ward is in Lincoln Park, just north of the Forty Fourth Ward, where Tom Tony is the owner. Literally stepped down, and now the mayor gets to fill the vacancy. I mean, I got to give Tom Tunney credit for that. At least he's going to finish out his term and there's going to be more or less, you know, a competitive fight to replace him, even though you got to figure his chief of staff who is endorsed by Tom Tunney has the greatest chance of winning. And uh, my guess is the chief of staff will ultimately be a more quote unquote uh, independent minded alderman than Tom Tunney was because things have changed in the city of Chicago. And constituents expect you to occasionally vote against the mayor. And there are people are sort of paying attention to how aldermen vote. So the guy who's usually the pessimist, the guy who's usually complaining about where things are going in Chicago, I'm going to say it's an improvement. How about that? I'm going to say it's an improvement that the city council, the aldermen in the city council are being held accountable for the votes that they make. They're tough decisions. Every show, when we have a, 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 a tough uh, vote in the city council, I say how I would vote. Remember the one? Indeed, sometimes my listeners get mad at me. Boo. Remember the one about the uh, speed light cameras? I said I would have voted with Anthony B. All the bicyclists got mad at me. But that's every day for Alderman or every meeting for Alderman. So I think it may, I'm going to put the I'm going to put a positive spin on it. It's a healthy sign of democracy. Uh, that so many aldermen are stepping down. How about that? It's a healthy sign. It's a good sign. It's a sign that people are finally paying attention. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to bring on a man who's always paying attention, vigilantly following the news, uh, not just in the city of Chicago, not just in the state of Illinois, but in the United States of America. The man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Gary, Indiana. What's that, Monroe? And the world. Excuse me. How could I leave out the world? <laughs> I'm uh, going space pretty soon. Uh, he's going to be covering Mars in a little while. No, no. All no, right. First. Um, 
I'm going to hold off in Jackson, Mississippi. I called our dear friend Mark Wallace to ask if he knew anybody in Jackson. He he launched into a five minute recitation of what's going on. I said, just come on the show with me and Monroe, and we'll right. talk about it. So I'll hold off on our Jackson talk. Uh, civilization, as we know it, has come to an end in Jackson, Mississippi. I'll just tell you that if you aren't paying attention, ladies and gentlemen. Jackson is an overwhelmingly black city uh, in the state of Mississippi, uh, a state that Monroe uh, Anderson loves so much. He's never gone there uh, and uh, doesn't plan to go there anytime soon, even once. though like his family is from there. You were there once? Once for a, a Trotter group meeting at Jackson State. This was wow. six, seven, eight years ago. Well, Jackson State, the, the university uh, from whom, from where uh, the greatest football player in the history of the game uh, graduated, that would be uh, Walter Payton, uh, is now shut down because they don't have water. Somehow in the 21st century, we have a, uh, a city of 150,000 people uh, in a state in the richest country in the world that does not have access to water. I know the bar is low, uh, Monroe, when it comes uh, to <laughs> poor states in the South, but wow, I would have thought water uh, service would be at the top of the list of the basics that we could provide. So uh, we will have that further discussion. That's just what they call a tease. Monroe's got a lot of thoughts on it, and as does Mark Wallace. Uh, let's talk a little Donald Trump. Jim Coogan laid out uh, the details yesterday, Ace Attorney Jim Coogan, on what Donald Trump is attempting to do uh, with his request for a um, special master, which is a term I had never heard of until Donald Trump's lawyers unveiled it uh, in this context. I'd never heard of it, so I got to give them credit. They they looked in a He reminds her of slavery. Yes, a special master, not just the regular master, but a special one. Oh, my God, that Joyce is so funny, and she, yet she won't come on the show. You know, that's one of my pet peeves, Monroe. Why'd you have to mention that? Uh, that is funny. He's special master. I thought it was like a dominatrix thing, you know, like a dominatrix. She whips her uh, yeah, subject. No. No, we yeah. don't play that in Anderson House. <laughs> no, okay, all right. Uh, so, and then uh, in response, right after the show with Jim Coogan, uh, the right on time, the feds uh, released uh, their rebuttal uh, and uh, put out in uh, pretty much uh, a detailed, uh, uh, chronologically arranged uh, order the games Donald Trump is playing with them. And so Monroe will start there. What the heck is Donald Trump doing? First, he schleps all these boxes of documents and paper out of the White House, uh, stashes it in Mar-a-Lago, probably has boxes, Jim Coogan's theory, that he has, probably has boxes like this throughout. He's got other properties he owns, you know, so he may have other uh, basements filled with these boxes. And then he fights like hell the attempt to give it back. What is he doing, Monroe Anderson? He's, he's um, well, first of all, I'd, I'd be surprised if he had him anyplace else because he wanted him near and dear to his heart. Uh, it's, it, well, at, at the risk of climbing into Donald Trump's head and never get, being able to get out again, <laughs> being the greatest maze 
uh, ever invented. He, he, there are a couple of things that he probably wants. First, he's transactional. So he has it because, hey, he might be able to make some money off this. But he also is narcissistic and selfish. So some of the things are treasures to him. They're his because they're his. Uh, He, his lawyers thought that they could um, outfox the Department of Justice. Garland Merrick, yeah, in particular, by um, demanding that that the information in the papers be made public, because he was complaining to the MAGA world about how it was fake, et cetera. His typical stuff, it, it was fake, and um, and and they planted it. The FBI planted some of this stuff, et cetera. And so he he wanted this special master, yeah, uh, to look at the stuff, all these all the papers that he has stolen from the, the White House. Uh, the problem is he he has right now is that garlic's people because he waited too long because he was trying out his other theories, his other stuff he was throwing against the wall to see if any of that would work. And the FBI has looked through and done the job of the special master. Uh, so now um, he's saying that the FBI planted some, some of the stuff. That's one of his theories. I mean, he has so many, but it's just he is up against the wall. And... Um, and for once in his life, he's not going to get away with this. Well, I, uh, that was your, that's been your prediction all along when it comes to Donald John Trump. Um, uh, why do you say with such certainty, he's not going to get away with this at this moment? Uh, because for, for he's, he's outdone himself this, this time, but he's been doing what he's doing all his adult life. Um, in New York, nobody cared. You know, they just thought that he was a wacko. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so no, no, nobody cared. He becomes president. And there are a lot of us that cared, but there were too many Republicans in Washington who didn't care. So although he's impeached not once, but twice, they wouldn't convict him on that. Uh, he obstructed justice in the Mueller report. Mueller, Mueller cited 10 um, incidences of um, uh, um, his, his obstructing ju- justice. Uh, Bill Barr lied about it and gave the Republican enough rope so that they could let him hang loose instead of hang till his neck was broken or he's convicted. But this time he's, because we're talking about national security, mm-hmm. we're talking about uh, some of our spies who could end up dead because yeah. of his, 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 his participation or lack thereof. Um, we're talking about some, some agents who have been flipped 
from other countries who could be exposed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's 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 too much, too dangerous. Uh, the some 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 of his sycophants who normally just run to help him and were trying to do it, but then when they saw what the FBI had, uh, they've backed off, and their their position is, well, let's get the facts first before we we come to any conclusions. Well, I see no uh, movement on the part of uh, the Republican Party to distance themselves from Donald Trump, despite everything. Uh, no, no, they're they're distancing themselves um, as much as they can. The part of the problem for the Republicans is the chickens have come home to roost. So, so while they they permitted Trump to do all this stuff, all these horrible things, illegal things before, and it just ignored it. This time, they realized that it is serious. I mean, too serious. And so they, but, but, but their problem is that MAGA is running the show now. Trump is not even in, in charge of the Republican Party anymore. It's MAGA. Mm-hmm. And, and QAnon and all these horrible people. And so they need Trump's crowd to get elected and reelected. Uh, but on the other hand, they're, they, they're scared to death of what may come out. Because it's, Trump knows what, 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 what the FBI and the Department of Justice has. And the Department of Justice know what they have. Well, they wouldn't have taken, taken the actions, the steps against them that they have. But the MAGA folks don't know. All right. So for let me all, let me say this. Yeah. For all we know, he and his best buddy Putin have already done a deal of some sort. And it's 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 in that record of the stuff they got out of his office those 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 um, seven hundred items or whatever. Well, you're getting really specific as to what uh, there was a very. Uh, it was a funny column in today's. Uh, I think it was the Washington Post by a, uh, a journalist who's observed Donald Trump's desks, uh, and he was talking about Donald Trump's obsession with paper. Uh, and it was actually a funny bit, uh, but he was talking about how Donald Trump, it's almost like he puts paper on his desk just to make people think that he's doing something important. <laughs> uh, and then he puts stuff in the, the paper that he'll need to use. So for instance, when a reporter was interviewing him, uh, what was it about? I think it was about Charlottesville where uh, he said there's good people on both sides. So he was defending it. He was taking out of the the, um, the pile of paper pictures. I'm not making this up, Monroe, of Trump with various famous black people like Michael Jackson, uh, and uh, I think I can't remember who else was. There was a picture of Donald. Oh, Muhammad Ali was in there, and so Don King was in there, and it was like he thinks that this reporter really does believe that Donald Trump inserted these pictures into the mess of paper just so he could say, "Look, you know, me with a black person." Right. Um, but uh, all right, to your other point, uh, there was this uh, interview over the weekend. I don't generally watch Sunday shows, uh, talk shows. I'm usually sleeping when they come on. But yes, uh, that's uh, my church. What's that? Shows in my church. Yes, I know you. So you probably saw this one, uh, the George Stephanopoulos show, which is not called the George Stephanopoulos show, but uh, it's on ABC. George Stephanopoulos, of course, the um, 
ABC newsman who used to work for the Clintons. Uh, and so Stephanopoulos had us on a guest, uh, Senator Roy Blunt, a uh, Republican out of Missouri, who is not repeat, not running for re-election, so he could say whatever he wants. Okay. He's not running for re-election. Okay. He's like an alderman in the Chicago city council. He's decided to exit. All right. Uh, he's stepping down as the sun times would say. So he could say whatever he wants. He's free. He's not, he doesn't have to pander to MAGA voters. All right. He could tell them whatever he wants or right. freedom, liberty. Don't they always talk about freedom and liberty and freedom of speech. You can say what you want. Isn't that what they believe in Monroe? So yeah, Stephanopoulos. And, and law and order. In law and order, yeah. All right, here we go. So George Stephanopoulos uh, begins. Was Donnie Trump right to take these documents to Mar-a-Lago? Here's Roy Blunt's response. And I will just read it straight. I will not try to imitate Roy Blunt. Yeah, because he is, it was hard to sum it up where it would make sense to anybody. But go All ahead. All right, wait. Here we go. I will now do a dramatic reading of Roy Blunt. Well, I think we need to know more about the documents. One of the things I was concerned about when I heard about this so-called raid or seizing of these documents was why hadn't the intelligence committee that I've been on for my time in the Senate and time in the House, why hadn't we heard anything about this? In fact, if the administration was concerned that was a national security problem, why hadn't we heard? Okay, like, talk about a diversion. Right there, ladies and gentlemen, is classic diversion, all right? So... Instead of saying, answering the question, which is, was he right to take documents? Right. He says, why didn't the, why didn't the Biden administration do the right thing? That's essentially what he's saying. Well, and I'm like, know, yeah, right. I know. But th this is the thing is, and perhaps you can answer this for me, being as well educated and knowledgeable <laughs> as you are, yeah. um, was, 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 Blunt as dismissive of Benghazi? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure, but. <laughs> no. uh, and then Hillary. No, no, okay. The double standard is obvious. <laughs> it, the point I'm making is that Blunt does, can say whatever he wants, he can answer the question. The question was, what's Trump right? This is the problem is the Magavet verse is vast. And so although he's leaving office, yeah. he's going to be looking for some position as a lobbyist or in some part of the Republican Party, which has been swallowed up by uh, Trump. And so he has to be careful or he could be um, on Liz Cheney and on, on her side. What a dumb response. And, and, and I have some context for this, Monroe. Follow me on this. Okay. I've lived in Chicago for 40 years. Yes. I've seen a lot of aldermen get busted, a lot of state reps, a lot of state senators. Yeah. Mayoral relatives busted by the FBI. Yes. I have never heard of once in the entire time that an alderman has been busted by the FBI where FBI agents show up at the alderman's house with jackets that say FBI on them. And their pictures are taken of them taking out boxes, but none of which was done with Donnie Trump, by the way. They were wearing, like, cardigans or something. They were, they were concealing the fact that they're FBI agents. Never once in all those years, Monroe Anderson, of watching the FBI bust and raid aldermen, have I ever heard an alderman defense saying, well, the... FBI did not notify us 
at what? The city council's committee on law enforcement about this pending rate. Never once. Okay. Absolutely. The feds were listening to (laughs) Blago's tapes. All his phone conversations. They were making tapes of Blago's phone conversations. Never once did I hear a state legislature say, well, the feds never notified us that they were listening to Blago's tapes. I have never heard that. It's like MAGA will say absolutely anything to defend Donnie Trump, and, and then they're, the people will go along with it, not in their heads. Well, it's, you're, okay, but in all fairness, did Blago ever say that the FBI was part of the deep state and therefore out to get his supporters and him. Well, he says it now, but right. he didn't say yeah. it then. Right. Well, I go, go yeah. 100% MAGA. That's a whole other story. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, he should be named Magolo. Right. <laughs> he's, 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 he's grateful to Trump because Trump cut a two or three years off of his sentence. Well, yeah, I mean, that's all Blaga. No, it shouldn't be Blago. It should be Blaga. That's what we should do. You mask, you mix Blago with MAGA and you get Blaga. Uh, yeah, no, he's, and, and somewhere in the back of his mind, I'm sure he believes uh, that they, they'll change the law so he can run. And I do believe MAGA would endorse it. I believe he would, I believe he could have beaten Darren Bailey uh, running for uh governor of the state of Illinois. Absolutely. There's no question in my mind, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, the point is, I've never seen such attempts, such stretches, attempts to to like justify something that's unjustifiable. And so Blunt saying the feds not notifying the Senate of their pending investigation and and their uh, the subpoena they're getting is it's absurd. I've never heard ever of a well, feds see, notifying a legislative body that they're about to inv- be grateful, Ben, because of behavior like that, and the and the positioning on 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 Dobbs, um, the Democrats are going to keep the House and get a, a filibuster-proof s- Senate. Wow! So don't complain. Just clap and and, <laughs> and, and tell the Democrats and the new improved um, President Biden. Mr. Muscle Man. Now. Okay, we'll get to Mr. Muscle Man in a little bit. Yeah, right. I was really feeling Joey B these days. <laughs> uh, uh, it's so funny, but I gotta uh, I gotta tell this little story, Monroe. Uh, so the other day, I was talking to Monroe, obsessively talking politics. We weren't even on the show; we were obsessively talking politics. Uh, and he mentioned uh, Joe Biden's speech. I'm like, what speech? I didn't even know Joe Biden had given a speech <laughs> in Monroe. You didn't hear the speech. And uh, <laughs> so that's the difference between a guy who's literally following everything that's going on in America, uh, Monroe Anderson and me, uh, I had a show to do, but I wasn't unaware that Joe Biden had given a speech and immediately pointed out the difference between Joe Biden's presidency and Donnie Trump's. There's no way in the world. I would not know that Donald Trump would be giving a speech when he was president. There was so much attention uh, given to Donald Trump and his speeches. And it was just part of this arranged news management that he was brilliant at. I mean, he, right. he's probably the best at getting attention drawn to him. Right. Uh, he is. And, 
is. So I was unaware and I did the deep dive, deep dive. I Googled Joe Biden's speech uh, and then started going through news feeds and there was very little coverage, very little coverage of Joe Biden's speech. We'll get into what he said and the, the, but it just goes to show you the difference. One of the many profound differences between Joe Biden as president uh, and Donald Trump, who is just a master you talk about he was a special master at controlling uh, the media and uh, uh, and his uh, supporters uh, played along. All right. But I'm not done yet. So this is Roy Blunt. This is why I'm very dubious that we'll ever get anyone from the MAGA side uh, to say anything bad about Trump. So Stephanopoulos fights back. All right. So first he goes, well, that's a fair point, which is it's not a fair point, by the way. But he said it was a fair point. This is how the media has to deal with these guys. You bring them on your show. You got to go, well, that's a good point. No, it's not a good point. It's absurd. If they don't do that, then they simply go to Fox and tell the same lies there. Yeah. Or they go, oh, the media is mean on us. Exactly. And then the, the real media looks like it's it's not being fair because they don't have them on. And you, exactly right. And by the way, if anybody knows that this is not how it goes, it'd be George Stephanopoulos. As I said before, he used to be an aide to Billy Clinton. Right. Clinton was in the White House. Right. When Ken Starr was investigating Bill Clinton, did Ken Starr go to the Senate and tell him what he was going to do? George Stephanopoulos? No. <laughs> that don't work that way. It's not a fair point. It's an absurd point. But anyway, Monroe, you're absolutely correct. This is the games you have to play. So here's what Stephanopoulos, he goes, that's a fair point, and we'll find out why they weren't, what was going on. It was probably to protect the criminal investigation. Probably? (laughs) I think you could take probably out of that sentence, Monroe Anderson. It wasn't probably to protect the criminal investigation. It's why they keep criminal investigations more or less a secret. Jesus. This is the problem, is that the MAGAverse yeah, lies so blatantly. I mean, they aren't even, you know, like what what used to be dog whistles is now uh, bullhorn stuff. I mean, they they lie so that you can't, as as a a legitimate reporter interviewing these folks, you have to tone it down because otherwise you'd be into a, a fight with them. Yeah. Because that's just a bold-faced lie, but instead it becomes, well, um, this is what you're, the point you're making now. However, the facts say just the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get your point. Uh, and so then, so Stephanopoulos is playing that game because he says, he goes on to say, but setting that aside, in other words, right. setting exactly. aside the right. other ridiculous, absurd comment you just made, because I don't right. want to waste any more time talking about it. Right. Uh, uh, whether or not these documents were classified, was it right for the president to take these government documents, uh, which uh, he is supposed to turn over to the National Archives? Okay, so that's the ultimate question. And uh, here's Roy Blunt, again, a Republican senator from Missouri, not repeat, not running for reelection, could say whatever he wants. We have a First Amendment that would protect his rights. I'm sure Elon Musk will tweet out a defense of him if he's assaulted and assailed, right? Ron DeSantis would stand up for his rights to say whatever he wants, right? Isn't that what we have? Joe, he'd go in the Joe Rogan show and say, I have a right to say whatever I want to say, all right? But uh, here's Roy Blunt's uh, response when asked a very specific question. Senator Blunt, quote, well, uh, it was you should be careful with classified documents. I've had access to documents like that for a long time. I'm incredibly careful. 
I was wondering, as I was listening to that discussion, if the same things were said when Secretary Clinton had died. Right. Secretary Clinton. I was like, what's the over under and how long it's going to take him to bring in Secretary Clinton? Well, uh, you know, they had Obama. And Trump said Obama had taken home millions of documents. And the archive, the, the people from the archive said, no, he didn't. <laughs> you, you can stop that right here and now. That's not true. <laughs> I mean, they are still milking Hillary Clinton and that server. Right. Which, by the way, got totally investigated. You right. know what I'm saying? And now compared, compared to what Trump did, yeah. even if she had done it, 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 it would have been pickpocketing versus um, armed robbery with attempted murder yeah. in comparison to the two. Uh, Mark Wallace has joined us. Mark Wallace has joined us and uh, we're going to bring him in the conversation. But I just, Monroe, this is why I say you cannot have a legitimate principled conversation with MAGA. Here's no. George Stephanopoulos bending over backwards, twisting himself in the knots to placate Roy Blunt, saying absolutely agreeing with Roy Blunt's absolutely absurdist statements that he, George Stephanopoulos, knows are utterly absurd. Right. Just to just try to have find a common ground. He just wants to get this senator to say the obvious that, yes, it's right. wrong for a president to remove secret documents from the White House and stash them in boxes in his home, that that is a violation of the law. It's like it's like saying trying to get a MAGA person to agree that the sky is blue right now, except for that one cloud. No, 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 no. OK, but look, that you compare that that's actually on the nice side versus Lindsey Graham who said we're going to be rioting in the streets if, if you all um, in, indict our guy for the criminal acts he's done. Okay. All right. Well, Lindsey well, is the first U.S. Yeah. Senator in American history to, right. to, to make that proposal. All right. Well, I'll I'll end this Roy Blunt thing by saying that in the next exchange, uh, he said, what I wonder is why this could go on for almost two years and less than 100 days before the election. Suddenly, that's their new talking point. It's about election. Hello. It went on for two years because Donnie Trump <laughs> refused to turn over the documents. Uh, he, I mean, what he, they say is so absurd, Monroe. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, 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 and Trump is a one note Johnny. And he just, this is what he does. He refuses. He tries to drag it out in court until it's either dismissed or forgotten about or something happens. And it's not going to work this time. All right. We're going to bring in uh, Mark Wallace, uh, who has become uh, an, a bit of an expert on uh, the behavior of Republicans and Donald Trump and MAGA in general. Uh, he has studied at the Monroe Anderson School of Weird Republican Behavior Explained, uh, and I believe he got a diploma. So congratulations, Mark, on graduating from uh, Monroe Anderson School of Weird Republican Behavior. Uh, and now I'm going to ask you Mark to use your... Mark, to come louder. What's that? He <laughs> 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 graduated with honors. Oh, I did not know that. Uh... <laughs> All right, Mark. So in your humble opinion, do you think MAGA will take to the streets and riot as Lindsey Graham has predicted? And as Donnie Trump, he, he, he gave a similar 
Donald Trump prediction. There could be trouble, uh, trouble in the United States uh, if he is indicted for the crime of stealing documents and stashing them in the basement of Mar-a-Lago. Do you take serious that threat from Lindsey Graham, or is he just talking trash? No, he, well, he's not talking trash. Um, they, they actually believe that, but it's not going to happen because I think that many of those people realize what has happened to these people uh, that have been criminally charged, indicted, and convicted on the uh, 1-6 uh, indictments, and I think that they have seen uh, the reality of the real truth behind that kind of conduct and behavior. So, no, it's not. People are not going to be going through the treats. However, uh, it will incite people to do things like what uh, we just had done in, in Oregon, where somebody goes into a grocery store with an AR-15 and uh, murders people. Uh, you were going to you you'll see that type of um, activity that will be taking place that can be directly linked to that those kinds of charges coming from the people in the highest uh, levels of offices, which I think is absolutely reckless, uh, and in in other circles would be considered to be um, insightful and and criminal. So, um, uh, you know, what Lindsey Graham did on Sunday night um, is uh, nothing short of trying to incite a riot. So, but I don't think that people are going to bite on that because they know what the, the, the severe consequences are. I think that there will be people who will do extreme things, unfortunately, like what happened in Oregon, um, uh, that, that people will, will go out and do. You'll have those types of things. Um, uh, but I, and I think that they're directly tied to the kinds of language that's coming out of that, um, this weird extremist, uh, Trumplican, uh, uh, cult. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever, uh, I mean, I've, I view it almost like a personal relationship. We, uh, when I, when I analyze what Mag is doing, uh, so I'm going to do my best to explain it, uh, remove from politics, Mark and Monroe and see if you buy this. Uh, so if you ever been in a relationship with someone, uh, where they interpret your, uh, criticism, uh, or your complaints as deep-rooted, unfair criticism. And so uh, everything that you say uh, is turns into a fight over how you say it, what you're really saying about them, or their accusations about what you're really saying about them. And very frequently when I listen to Maga's response or knee-jerk response, and this, I'm not just talking about uh, cowardly senators like Roy Blunt in Missouri, who, again, is not up for re-election and is still uh, bowing down to Trump. I'm just talking about uh, ordinary MAGA voters, uh, Mark and Monroe. They just instinctively say something. The Democrats have always picked on him. The Democrats don't like him. They've been trying to get they just They try to impeach him once. They try to impeach him twice. Uh, and now they're still bothering him. And it's almost just like, they take any criticism of Donald Trump as a personal criticism of themselves. And no matter what the particulars are uh, that the Democrats have raised about Donald Trump, they dismiss them uh, on the grounds that the Democrats have a bias and a hatred of Donald Trump. That, so it's unwarranted and unjustified. And then the media responds by always looking for a Republican, any Republican that can sort of uh, second 
the accusations made about Trump, which is why William Barr is endlessly quoted, the former uh, just uh, head of the Justice Department, Attorney General. Uh, Monroe Anderson, do you feel there's any, um, do you think I'm on to something here? Like this is like it's a personal thing that so many MAGA people identify with Donald Trump so deeply that they feel that any criticism of Donald Trump is a criticism of their decision to have voted for Donald Trump in the first place. Go. MSNBC has this reporter that they they have on frequently mm-hmm. who just follows right wing media, online media. He just follows them. And he says that there is this movement growing. Uh, among QAnon people where Trump has become a deity and uh, where God, as a God, his job is to overthrow all the stuff that um, regular Americans believe and practice. A deity, huh? Yes, they call him QE. Um, wow. Instead of Q and nine, he's QE nine or something. There's some weird pronunciation where they've, they've, they've combined the two and it's more perverted than it was to begin with. If you, if you can believe that was possible. Yeah, I, that's pretty trippy out there. Mark Wallace, your thoughts? Well, th- these people are a cult. This is the Jim Jones effect. They're they're cults, and they're going to be uh, with lined with with Donald Trump, no matter what is said. So, reality is not reality. Their reality is whatever they want it to be in their mind. So, um, it would be, in my opinion, a reasonable person would be, in my opinion, um, uh, behaving in a retarded way to to try to rationalize uh, irrational uh, irrationalization. So uh, you're not going to um, have a cogent conversation with those types of people. You just have to accept that they have become um, allegiance to this occult, right? Um, and so they're not they're, they're not willing to look at things on a rational, uh, objective way. So that is uh, futile, and that would be an exercise in futility. So I just think uh, that it's more important to stay uh, focused on on what the truth and the real issues are um, as this un- unfolds. They are not going to be able to occult Donald Trump out of the web that he is in. Mm-hmm. Um, his own conduct, uh, and he is being um, cannibalized by his own conduct, as Richard Nixon cannibalized himself uh, ultimately by his own conduct. Uh, now, Richard Nixon was not in it by himself. This was years in the making. He is just the one who operated in a way um, that uh, got him in a world of trouble through his own paranoia. But uh, there's there's no helping him out of this. Lindsey Graham, uh, none of the Republicans. And if you, if you really uh, listen... There's a deafening silence from uh, the Republican side, uh, you know, that was, you know, pretty boisterous out for Donald Trump now uh, that they see that this search and this investigation is revealing more and more concrete, irrefutable 
uh, criminal activity on the behalf of the former president. Well, I don't know if we come to a moment where a very popular leader in the Republican Party will speak out uh, against Donald Trump. I keep thinking Ron DeSantis has an incentive because he wants to run against, he wants to be the nominee, obviously, uh, in 2024. Donald Trump will be the nominee, as I see it right now. Uh, That's my prediction. So if Ron DeSantis wants to be the nominee in 2024, he has to speak out against Trump. Same thing as Pence. You speak out against Trump, the cult turns against you, uh, as Mark Wallace calls it, and your throat. So uh, that's the predicament we're in. uh, And we're sort of praying that uh, like 10 percent of the country that swings could go either way. will go toward Democrats uh, in this particular uh, moment and then stifle uh, the Trump movement. Uh, And to that point, before we get to Jackson uh, Monroe, you've been very uh, optimistic about Joe Biden and the speeches he's been giving lately. I pointed out, uh, Mark, before you came on the show, that's been relatively little attention to a Joe Biden speech. But that doesn't mean they don't happen. Uh, So, Monroe, why don't you talk about why you're optimistic about uh, Joe Biden's renewed attempt uh, to to make his case? Go ahead. Um, as I mentioned to you, when we had that conversation the other day mm-hmm. offline, Joe Biden is Columbo. <laughs> and for, for those who are too young to have seen the TV show Columbo, Columbo came off as, as this bumbling cop that didn't know uh, what time of the day it was. And he was disheveled, and nobody took him seriously, and he brilliantly got the job to solve the cases. Uh, Joe Biden has been doing that. I mean, right now, and it is, it's not reported enough, the Democrats are finally beginning to realize how important it is. But Biden has been the most effective president since LBJ in, in legislative accomplishments. And LBJ had a lot more Democrats in Washington to help him do it. And Biden has been able to do, but he's managed to do it. And um, nobody, nobody is quite caught up with that yet. But uh, with the Republicans shooting themselves in the foot after they've taken it out of their mouths, um, it will become clear to um, Democrats, independents, and uh, rhinos before November. And this is why we're going to keep the House, the Senate, wow. and um, and move along. Yeah, take keeping the House. That that again, I pointed I know, out. I know it's a it's a, it's that, a it's wow. A, it's that. A long, oh, I mean it's a yeah. It's a it's 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 just short of a Harold Hell Mary. In the face of the gerrymandering that's gone on would be extraordinary. Mark Wallace, your thoughts about Joe Biden? Well, um, I think that uh, Joe Biden Biden is the beneficiary of Donald Trump uh, and the Republicans um, uh, being able to, again, cannibalize himself. Donald Trump's uh, biggest downfall is he didn't respond to the um, uh, COVID outbreak um, better than he did, because if he did, he'd still be president of the United States. Um, and the current Congress 
uh, of Republicans um, uh, went on to uh, push this Roe v. Wade thing, and the Supreme Court just handed the Democrats um, all that they need to hold on to both houses. Now, if they don't do it, shame on them, because uh, they have been delivered a gift uh, that many Republicans will cross lines and say, you know what, uh, we cannot hand the Congress over to the re- this group of Republicans right now. Uh, um, and that being said, we have to give credit to the president for being able to influence uh, and to negotiate with people in the Congress to get these major pieces of legislation done that he's been able to get done over the past two years. He's accomplished far more than uh, President Obama accomplished in eight years uh, that uh, in terms of getting some major legislation done. However, you know, the, the, the times and the conditions um, also put that in place for him to be able uh, to make that happen. I also believe his time as vice president and seeing what uh, Barack Obama had to go through um, and what Barack Obama tried to do in being this cross the aisle kind of guy uh, to try to, to, to see if that could work. I think that Joe Biden also knows um, that, that that was not going to uh, be a recipe for success. Absolutely. So I absolutely have to give him credit for being able to navigate through these critical times uh, and get uh, the Congress to uh, pass these major pieces of legislation. And this piece, this last piece, was very masterfully done with the student loan um, uh, debt cancellation. Uh, But a lot of the credit of that uh, is not going to be given, but a lot of the credit of, the, of that goes to uh, Kamala Harris because she tried to, uh, she she absolutely had a piece in this so that it will disproportionately impact black students to get the Pell Grant, um, uh, the, the, the Pell Grant piece in this legislation, which 95% of black students that go to college get Pell Grants. So I think that disproportionately this will uh, help uh, black students, but Kamala Harris uh, deserves a lot of credit for that because that was her initiative that she tried to get through in 2019. All right. And those are words that you very rarely hear, Mark Wallace, and Monroe Anderson knows this as well. Yeah. Kamala Harris gets credit. I, I, this, this should be a whole show. We shouldn't uh, just uh, encapsulate this into a couple minutes, particularly when I want to talk Jackson, but that's a whole show. The bizarre vilification of Kamala Harris across the board. And I, I've never seen anything like this for uh, vice president. Most vice presidents just ignored. If I never heard anybody talking about Joe Biden one way or the other. When he, as vice president, when uh, for Barack Obama. Now, remember when uh, Barack Obama got in the middle of that squabble between the police officer uh, and Professor Gates, and they yeah. brought it, it, they were going to have the beer in the White House. <laughs> what a country! They brought Joe Biden in there because they needed a, like a, another white guy. What a, right. this is right. the country we are in, Monroe. Uh, I didn't invent this, but that was about the only time I ever heard anybody mention Joe Biden during the Biden. Uh, during right. Obama. Well, the difference is Biden's age. Okay. 
Okay, because he may, you know, I mean, he may he he may not make it to the end of this. Yeah, he probably will, but he may not. I mean, just because of his age, and um, if he doesn't, then normally the vice president would just be automatically expected mm. to 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 grab the reins and have them and. Um, they're trying to prevent that. They don't. They don't even want that as part of the uh, the the possibility. Yeah. She she has she has the two strikes against her. Yeah. She's a woman and she's black. And they still haven't gotten over uh, having the first black president. They definitely don't want a second one. Yeah. I just, um, that's probably at the heart of it. All right. Let's talk Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, there was a flooding uh, in Jackson, Mississippi, heavy rainfall uh, over the last uh, week or so uh, that has uh, turned a 21st century city into what? An 18th century city, Mark Wallace and Monroe. They don't have running water. And right. we've lived through this twice. We've lived this, Mark and Monroe, we, you, we all lived through it with New Orleans. With, with uh, Hurricane uh, Katrina turned New Orleans from a 21st century city into an 18th century city. Right. With the flooding, people, about a half of the town, half the city was flooded out. Uh, and it, eventually it was, I think, it, it had a key part in um, uh, ruining the second uh, term for uh, George W. Bush because it was this horrific way he responded by flying over the disaster. I'm, not, I'm almost speechless, Monroe, when I think about what I'm seeing out of Jackson. Again, they, uh, there was flooding, and the flooding overtaxed the water uh, system there, which was already in the brink of falling apart anyway. It's now they can't use the water. There's not enough pressure to have water. When you turn on your tap, there's not enough pressure to bring the water. And the, some, in some cases, if you do get water, they're saying, well, it's not treated, so don't drink it. You have to boil it first before you can drink it or bathe in it or what have you. So effectively, there's no water. Jackson State is shut down. Uh, Historically black university in that uh, in that city, and um, I I don't know what words to say about this Monroe. Um, no, I mean except uh, you should not be surprised. We have Flint, Michigan, and right now we have Dixon, suburban Dixon, where they don't have water. So. Basically, what you have is in governmental entities, i.e. cities, where there's mainly the black poor, nobody gives a crap. And so, you know, that's uh, the, the, the poor people that live there can't afford to update the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And uh, nobody else cared. And so this is what happens. And, and Jackson, when I was the one trip I made to, to Mississippi, I was in Jackson. And um, one of the things that I learned in talking with the people there was when we got school integration, then the white, the good white, good, good white citizens of Jackson just automatically started these Christian schools that were segregated and out of the city. 
that's that's how much they thought of this whole race mixing idea. Mark Wallace, your thoughts? Well, it's just a continuing uh, t- continuation of flat out racism um, and racial inequities. Uh, we see that we have more diversity in political uh, elected offices across the country, but that has not changed in terms of the racial inequities that have persisted for uh, centuries in in this country. Uh, so the fact that we have more black people and more Hispanic people and more diverse uh, elected uh, um, legislature, uh, legislatures uh, all the way up to, you know, the presidency at this point, that has not, uh, policy-wise, that has not brought down the inequities that exist where uh, black people uh, reside, in particular, uh, into poor communities where black people reside. Um, this started back in 1994 when Hurricane Andrew hit uh, Miami, uh, where the poorest areas of blacks that lived in, in Miami, uh, there was a terrible response down in, in the southern areas of Miami, uh, and it, would, it took Reverend Jackson to fly down there uh, to uh, get uh, the country and the government to start to respond to those poor areas. And, uh, and so every time that there has been a natural disaster, you can see the poorest response is where the poorest people live and, um, and largely in those communities where uh, black people resided. Um, but in terms of, of the, th- this is systemic. This is the systemic stench that has not changed in this country. We have elected people to go into public uh, offices that look like me, but the policies have not changed that uh, of inequities that impact people in communities that largely uh, are populated by black communities. All right. And let's just uh, put this in the proper political context. Uh, Jackson, Mississippi is a a very poor city uh, to overwhelmingly uh, black people, as Monroe is pointing out. Uh, there's been uh, segregation in Mississippi forever, uh, but it was uh, in Jackson. There was white. There's been a steady white flight over the last uh, at least thirty years, uh, and but it's in a state dominated by Republicans. The governor of the state is Tate Reeves. Uh, he's a Republican. The state went overwhelming for Donnie Trump in 2020. Uh, it's it's a Republican bastion. Uh, and so what we have is not just segregation, uh, residential segregation, but political segregation. So the the folks uh, in Jackson, the residents of Jackson generally are Democrats, uh, and they're surrounded by a state that's controlled by Republicans. All right, let's just put that into context, Mark Wallace. Uh, a dear friend of mine, a friend of the show, Kevin Blackstone, professor of journalism at the University of Maryland and sports writer for the Washington Post, uh, tweeted out that... Uh, this comment, which struck home, what strikes me about uh, what's going on in Jackson, not having drinkable water, is Republican Governor Tate Reeves signed a half billion dollar tax cut rather than upgrade people's lives, uh, people's to upgrade rather than upgrade black people's water systems to livable. The military should safeguard black Mississippians again. And uh, I was talking to Kevin and he said, yes, federal intervention. That's what Mississippi needs, because clearly the state of excuse me, federal intervention is what Jackson needs, because the state of Mississippi doesn't give a damn about the people who live in Jackson. Uh, Mark Wallace, your thoughts on Professor Blackstone's comments? 
Well, first of all, uh, you know, the state of Mississippi is the poorest state in the union. Mm-hmm. Um, and the poorest region of the poorest state uh, is down in Columbus and Octiva and West Point. However, they, uh, uh, they came up with what is called the Golden Triangle, where they have been able to uh, infuse $12 billion of industry and, you know, 25,000 jobs. And they did this with black legislators and white legislators, Democrats and Republicans, uh, because those three counties were about to, um, you know, sink into uh, into the abyss. Uh, but they have certainly brought those areas back. So I'm not sure why Jackson, Mississippi, uh, well, I shouldn't say I'm not sure, but, you know, Jackson, Mississippi uh, certainly should, um, uh, those legislators there certainly should have adopted what they did over in, uh, in, in that area. Now, maybe it wasn't uh, done because it's largely black um, um, uh, populated, maybe. Um, but uh, again, I think that his comments, in my opinion, and my judgment, uh, are just a political talking point. But that is always the political talking point when after a, a natural disaster happens uh, that happened to target, uh, you know, highly populated African-American uh, black communities the same way they came out with those same talking points about um, the uh, um uh, the supports down in uh, in New Orleans, uh, where there have been conversations about making those um, uh, uh, safer uh, and more stabilized for decades, mm-hmm. um, that they just neglected to do, and and probably largely neglected to do it because it just didn't get prioritized because of the group of people that would have been impacted by it. Monroe, do you believe uh, are you with uh, Kevin Blackstone said in the feds or are you more with Mark on this position? Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm with um, both of them. <laughs> you know, the, the, it, it, both those things could be true at the same time. How so? The, he, he, I mean, Kevin is doing the, basically just okay. It, it's, it's racist. Period. Mark is saying that um, yes, it's racist. But if if they had tried it this way, like uh, people, black politicians in another part of Mississippi, it could be better. And so I, you know, and I'm agreeing with both those. Well, I'm a little reluctant to say sending the troops at any time. I uh, remember uh, LaShawn Ford, a state rep from Chicago, talked about bringing in the National Guard to deal with uh, crime uh, in, uh, in his neighborhood. Go ahead. Yeah, Eisenhower sent in the troops back in the 50 and the Kennedy. So sometimes the troops are necessary. It just depends on what mission they're sent in to do. Had, had, had Trump sent in the troops uh, uh, three years ago, it would have been a different outcome than what happened in the South during the civil rights movement. So you can't just say sending in troops bad or good. It depends. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sending in, the, sending in the troops and LaShawn's idea back then was, was uh, uh, ludicrous. And, and, and if somebody's thinking about that today, it's ludicrous. You send in the troops when there is a war uh, uh, going on. 
the, the war that is happening in, in the communities on the south and west sides of Chicago is an economic deprivation uh, for which the black uh, political infrastructure as well as the white uh, political infrastructure are not doing anything about in terms of long-term and short-term ideas to eradicate uh, this acute poverty that exists. Wherever you have high rates of poverty, you're going to have high rates of violence and crime. So the National Guard uh, cannot cure that problem. And sitting in the National Guard is not going to cure that problem. Hiring more police officers and putting them on every street corner is not going to do away with that problem. Until you do away with the impoverished condition, you will not do away with the high rates of High, what I call high risk activity and violence that exists in these communities. I, I'm with you, Mark and, and Monroe. And I have to say this, see, I always hesitate to weigh in and opine about what's going on in a city like Jackson or Flint or New Orleans or any other Philadelphia, any city, because I'm not there studying it. I've studied Chicago. So I know how Chicago politicians to uh, pick up on uh, what Mark just said have failed the black communities of Chicago. I see it happening to this day, Mark Wallace. I just wrote a column about it with the red line extension project, which should have happened in the eighties. It's extending the red line from 95th to the city's Southern border. Mark Wallace, you're a real estate man. You know what impact that could have on economic development in these communities. You know what income, why is it on the North side that people always extol the virtues of public transportation and the need to connect development to, um, uh, to uh, CTA stops, the profound impact. But when it's on the south side, it's sort of like, well, you know, there's no direct correlation. These neighborhoods are falling apart anyway, and I don't know if we can afford to spend uh, money from uh, our tax dollars helping a community we don't live in. So this is just an ongoing negligence. In a community with black people, poor blacks. Yes. I've seen it 40 years in Chicago. So if I, if I were, if suddenly like water stop working in Chicago, which that would be a real embarrassment since we're on top of the lake. But I could point to what the local officials, Mark Wallace have done to contribute to the negligence. Do you follow what I'm saying? So it could be that case in Jackson where I just don't know because I'm not in the, on the ground in Jackson reporting on what they're doing. Go ahead. No, it's, 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 it's probably, and, and we say probably because we're not there, but I think that if we, if we were there, we would probably find the same systemic problems that are happening here in Chicago, where now we have in Chicago, we have, um, we have, we have 40% of a city council that is black, 40% of a city council that is, is black. And we still have those people who are legislating against their communities, uh, not for their communities, but against their very communities. And so uh, that probably is happening in Jackson to, to some degree. If we went there, we would probably find the same thing. And so what is happening here is that our government has become a hustle for the people who are actually administering it and, and that's in it and not being for responding to the needs and serving the public's interest. But that is and, and has kept our communities um, disconnected and disheveled uh, where I'm going to be participating in a, in a meeting tonight 
where uh, black people are talking about how do we we change these condition conditions. Well, um, it, it's it is we today we still even though lost. Um, a large segment of people from the city of Chicago, African-American people from the city of Chicago, we still, out of the uh, uh, the one ethnic group that still has more people registered to vote than any other single ethnic group in Chicago. However, the black uh, politicians, as well as the white politicians, as well as the, the Hispanic politicians, they have all and are all mastering and keeping our voter segment disconnected and disheveled and, uh, you know, and all of these splinters that we cannot be effective uh, in terms of holding and being a threat to our politicians. Now, uh, the one thing that I give credit to the Trumplicans to is that they have the right method, the wrong message. We have the methodology available to us and we won't use it. And I think we have a, 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 you know, obviously we, we want better for everybody, but we're not using the method that is available to us to hold politicians accountable and certainly to hold them in fear that if they don't do what is equitably right, then they will be out for whatever reasons we haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. All right. Uh, We have come to the end of the show. And uh, ran out of time. I didn't have a really get an opportunity to do our Herschel Walker update. Uh, it's one of our favorite segments with Monroe Anderson, uh, Mark, where uh, we just take a look at the, some of the outrageous things that Herschel Walker is saying, Republican candidate for Senate uh, in the state of Georgia. Uh, so we really can't take the deep dive. But uh, I urge everybody to check out the uh, the Herschel Walker quote about bikes versus bags. I, 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 you know. How do I explain this, Mark and Monroe? I, the Republic, when you put up a candidate as bad as Herschel Walker, and he says something outrageous, which nobody can understand, because some, as Monroe said, maybe he did take too many blows to the head as a football player. And then you have to justify it. The defense is almost more lamer, Mark Wallace and Monroe Anderson, than whatever Herschel Walker said. Do you follow me? And it's like, listen, I voted for John Stroger when he was in a coma. I admit this, Mark Wallace. I admit I voted for John Stroger. I preferred whatever outcome the Democrats were going to come up with over the man he was running against. I voted. I voted for John Stroger when he was in a, a coma as well. And Herschel Walker's problem didn't. They started long before he picked up the uh, the first helmet. Uh, his problem is not from a football. Uh, uh, injury. His problem is long, happened long before that. Somebody uh, did a, a disservice to him long before he put on the first football uniform. Yeah, I. Uh, that's that, and and he was obsequious to Donald Trump long before uh, he had a brain injury because, as you recall, he, he signed with Donald Trump's team, right? Uh, in the old uh, USFL. So my point in re- mentioning uh, John Stroger is just like at some point there's just. What a level of, like, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Just re- reaction against whoever you're running against. So they will defend. But my, I never defended John Stroger. When he, I never said, well, John Stroger in a coma is a better candidate than Forrest Claypool. I was like, no. 
I would prefer whoever they come up with as opposed to force. I'm going to take my a chance on Democrats coming up with a, a better candidate. Do you follow what I'm saying, Mark Wallace? But Republicans defend. It'd be like Republicans came out and defended John Stroger. Well, yeah, well, I think I think I think in in defense of Republicans, because I don't call these people Republicans. I call these people extremists. Okay. I, I the Republicans that many that I didn't agree with from a couple of decades ago, um, th- these people are just extreme uh, in terms of their ridiculousness. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess, but maybe you don't want to call them Republicans, you call them extremists, but they are the Republican Party right now. All right. Uh, Mark Wallace, thank you very much. Uh, Monroe Anderson, thank you very much. Every Wednesday in the Ben Jarosky Show, the pride and joy of Gary, Indiana. Thank you both for coming on the show. I appreciate it. I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Mark and Monroe will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. And the D stands for DeMarvelous. Give yourself a raise. Take out a petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.